BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is that good buddy of mine, that good friend of yours, that good pal of ours, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing? Good, man. That was a hell of an intro for uh, the whole thing. Well, I tell you, this is like, you know, sometimes I got a lot of energy off the top of the show, but then by the end of it, there's nothing left. <laughs> yeah, same. But uh, you're on a roll. You're on a roll so far. Well, thank you. Let's continue that roll as we roll on into uh, our weeks. How was your week, buddy? Good, man. I cannot complain. It's same old, same old. Nothing, uh, nothing out of the ordinary, which is a good thing. Well, you're gearing Ooh. up for a big tour. Well, not a tour. Couple well, you should promote the too. tour. Like, you know, friend, of, it's a someone that needs to come on the show as a guest, yes. but also yeah. a, a good friend of both of ours, someone who we are huge fans of uh, in these parts. Um, so definitely someone that you should promote the tour of. Yes, it's uh, Ancient Shapes is the band, but the artist primarily is Daniel Romano. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, Attack in Black fame, pardon me, way back when. But in recent years, Dan Romano solo. Um, but Ancient Shapes is kind of more privy to what this show is all about. I would say. Um, and I think he's, I think all the way through, like that's you know, attacking Black certainly too. Like way back when, yeah, yeah. He comes yeah. from punk rock. Yes, fully, absolutely. But uh, anyway, Ancient Shapes is a for me is a, is a pretty exciting thing he's done in the last yes, like, definitely year year or two. And there's a uh, band camp, if you want to check it out, at you'vechangedrecords.bandcamp.com. And within there, that's the label that they sort of, that he runs, so to speak. And uh, you can find the Ancient Shapes first LP on there um, to listen to, which I highly recommend. It's kind of really great sort of power pop, however you want to categorize stuff like that. I remember the first time I ever hung out with Dan and the rest of Attack in Black, but very clear, vivid memory of that night in St. Catharines. Were you there that night, too, at Jules? Uh, I don't think I you don't were. Know. I think I was Maybe hanging out with you thing. earlier because uh, that's why I was there. And then I think you left. and I think I ended up rolling back to Toronto with them. 
Yeah, that that sounds about right. I, I mean, it's very like like when we recount these tales, it's hard to remember who was around. Really minute details in our lives. Yeah, but it's just like I don't know. Like I was around everybody, so I don't know if it was like I don't, I can't remember when you first met them, but it I could have been there. Maybe not. I don't. I'm, I don't I'm pretty. Yeah, I remember being the only straight edge one because there was some cannabis being smoked, and it was definitely you know at a time when I was not a fan. Whereas, <laughs> well, then I definitely wasn't there because I don't remember. No, that's what I'm saying. Like I think if you had been there, I would have had. You know, a straight edge kind of like brotherhood. <laughs> yeah. You know, we go to sat in the corner yeah. and just kind of like quietly sung judge lyrics to each other and like in floor punch lyrics. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, as a quick pause on the tale, I, I didn't screw up, but that will work what I mentioned before. But Ancient Shapes also has its own band camp. So it's ancientshapes.bandcamp.com and it's all on there. Check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out and and go out and meet Chris on tour because you can't follow him <laughs> on social media, so you can follow him IRL. Yeah, sure, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> go up and bring your Keep It Up Records, Urban Blight Records, get something oh, signed. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll have that too much of that happening. There's a protocol when they meet you, like to to take a page from Disco Inferno's book and the Keep It One Hundred podcast. Over there with my friend Conan. You know, there's a protocol when people meet you, though. They have to, you know, give you a $20 handshake to get that Urban Blight or Keep It Up record autographed. That's understood. Really? I think that's, that's understood. That's yeah, yeah. Well, I, if any, that will never happen. Anyway, it's it's got to happen, okay? So, so if, if you want to get those records signed, and you do, because uh, he doesn't <laughs> sign a lot. He's not, he's not out there signing all the time. You no, know, give him the $20 not. handshake. This, yeah, this is not required. <laughs> the reality is, is that it would take a bizarro you in some distant foreign land to be excited about these other minute things. And that person would have to meet me and be excited. And that would be the only way this would happen. I like to think out there listening right now, Chris, there's a legion of <laughs> alternate reality versions of me just nerding out, looking at the cogs. You know. Oh, I'm sure there are. I'm just not sure they have t- too much of my things at their uh, the height of their aspirations, so to speak. There, there are definitely keep it up items that I wish I had right now um, <laughs> and do not have. And it's amazing how that's how the collectible the next era is born, right? Like it's not it's not the records necessarily that like everyone's buying and everyone's keeping. It's the records you can't buy and you can't find. You know, like that elusive trunk seven inch, Chris. You still don't have that, eh? That's funny. no. That haunts I, my I dreams. Have that, I have faith that you'll get it eventually, but yeah, I don't. Uh, you're right. Like it, it is bizarre. There's a bizarre era now where I'm with you, where there there aren't there are necessarily not really like rare or even hitter records, but there are records that are rare in the sense that they just don't show up. It's not yeah. that if you found them, they'd be a dollar probably, if that. But yeah. Yeah, no, those are legit rare records to me. Like those are the records that, you know, you're it's it's not going to be easy to find, you know. And there's definitely, you know, keep it up variations on the seven inch that you know it's not going to be easy to find. Yeah, I suppose I I would. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to comment on this. Sure. <laughs> well, there we go. You, you can just leave it there, Chris. Just let it yeah. hang. Let it yeah. breathe. Still need the Urban Blight seven inch on red. Let let that sink in for a second. Oh, the sec that, yeah. yeah. I don't, I, 
I don't have extras of that. No. Nope. But uh Nor does my friend Ellis. Which brings me to the next point that I want to discuss. Ah, yes, okay. Static Shock Records the other day posted a brand new song featuring a very good friend of mine named uh Briny who uh played in the incredible Good Throb. Yeah. Uh, also a former guest of the show. Listen to her episode. Yeah. It's it's incredible. She's awesome. Have you heard that song, Chris? I have not heard the song, but the song, I saw this, and is it not called Raise Your Voice, Joyce, or is it the comp? That's the name of the compilation that this song okay. appears on. Yes. Now, my good friend and host of, uh, with myself of the uh, right now dormant, but will return one day, Clobber in Time podcast, uh, <laughs> Tom, reached out to me. And said, is this you? Uh, yeah. And I said, is what me? And he sent me a link to the comp. He's like, is this you guys? And I said to him, what I'm going to sell you right now, Chris. Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> well, it's very funny that you bring this up because we we didn't talk about this before going live here. No. Uh, by the way, the episode that you were referring to with Bryony as well is episode 30 for the people that are keeping track of the regular turn of the punk podcast. Check it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did the same thing. I saw it come up and I thought, is this another like Davidstown scenario? Like, what is this? And then I, yeah, I couldn't really decipher anything and I uh, just assumed it was a weird coincidence. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a weird coincidence. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's very, uh, very weird. Um, well, I I just didn't know if there was some like you know because there's a lot of like uh, whatever you want to say like you guys have you guys have done a good job with sort of uh, well the Davidstown is a great example like if anyone saw that at face value they might not realize it's one it's your you that you are all behind all of it. You there, Dave? Yeah, can you hear me? Sorry, you cut out for a second, Chris. Yeah, I just cut out for a second. I'm good now. No, sorry just, to say. I just, People didn't realize. Saying, yeah, the Davidstown comp could be could, could be misunderstood as like someone not realizing that's like all you guys. Yeah, no, that was that, and that that was like my initiative in the in fucked yeah. up, right? Like I will take. Yes, that was like you know I came with this this sort of like idea, and then you know then they did it, and it it turned out really cool. Uh, this time. I have no clue. It's, <laughs> it would be an amazing coincidence. If it is a coincidence, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I have not talked to anyone in the band about it whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I think that song's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, but I am completely in the dark when it comes to It is that. funny. And there's enough people, like, you know, as we know, there is a certain uh, aquatic band member that is living that part of the world, which makes me wonder if there's uh, – something going on there but anyway yeah yeah like i i you know i i don't know i don't know I, the song is fucking awesome and i'm stoked for the comp the other singers that were mentioned as being involved the other people that mentioned that were being involved or the, so i should say musicians from the other bands that were mentioned that are being involved are all incredible bands so uh yeah i'm excited to hear this thing yeah, the the just as a point of reference, really quick, it's on Static Shock Records, 
and it's called Raise Your Voice Joyce Contemporary Shouts from Contemporary Voices. And there it's a obviously a various compilation. But uh yeah, I don't know I, I was it says it was released in oh it is releasing in October. I see. So it's not out yet. It's no. it's coming out. It's coming out. Yeah, no, it's not out yet. I haven't seen a test press, so I don't know if it's ours um at all. Uh but I'm excited, you know. I'm excited about that. I'm excited for the new record too. The new record is, as I keep saying, you know, very different. And uh you know, my role in the band now is kind of different too. So uh it's I feel uh I feel just as much along for the ride as everyone else now. <laughs> Which is a bizarre statement coming from someone in the group, but yes, I know <laughs> I know what you're saying. I was a lot more of an insider. On previous projects. Now I feel like, you know, but I got by my own, you know, choosing, I guess, ultimately. But, you know, now I'm just like, okay, what's next? You know, <laughs> sure, maybe we're involved in this thing. Who knows? I don't know. Cool. Who's on the record? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> I know I sing a couple songs. I recognize some other voices. So I can say. I know. Uh, I know someone who's uh, someone else who's sung on it. That's not me. I know someone else who sung on it too that I think you would know too. Yeah. Um there's but there's a, there are some voices that I have no idea who they are. <laughs> They're great. No I'm not yeah. dissing them. I'm not like yeah. saying it should be me instead. It all yes. works, but it's like I would be lying if I said that like I was like in the studio, you know, uh Rick Jamesing it for Eddie Murphy style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I still picture like a studio session being like, but it's never like that. No, not to, not not these days anyway, it doesn't seem. Well, I don't know ever, ever there's like a producer just like listening in the booth and they get so inspired. They just like get the like, you know, they're listening in like the, I guess the studio room, the room, the desk. Yeah. You can tell Control how. Room. Yeah. There you go. You can tell how much I know about the actual process of being in a band. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they go into the live room and they just like start, you know wiling out because they get so inspired by the music yeah maybe that happened in the 70s <laughs> yeah i think a lot of i think a lot of things happened in the 70s that uh don't happen anymore no i've been in some pretty smoked out uh studio sessions but yeah that's never happened yeah i don't it's it's a different uh you know it's a whole different thing now yeah i don't know how to I don't know what else to comment on that. <laughs> Just leave it, buddy. Let's move on. Uh, any other music news that we should get to? Um, I don't believe so, since we recorded the last one of these pretty close together. I don't think... Trying to scrape my that that what we just mentioned was one of the things that did pique my interest, but we already covered that. Um. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, I forgot to shout out. There's a new waste management record out on Painkiller. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're great, and they've been around for a while, and they're great folks. And they're uh, a raging, no-joke hardcore band that's uh, always been great. So check that out. Um, I cannot remember what it's called. It's called Tried and True. It's on the formidable Painkiller Records. Check it out. All right, so pick up that record. And uh, I guess should we get into the... Uh, in today's episode.
type yeah, thing. Yeah, man, we can we can roll on it. We're not going to do the mailbag because we're going to work on a mailbag episode coming up. Uh, maybe get the whole team together for that, uh, but that will be in the near future. So we're just going to jump right into today's episode, talking to, yes, I stand by this, one of my, the greatest front people of all time, uh, Eric Davison of the New Bomb Turks. Chris, are you a fan of the New Bomb Turks? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think you already knew that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big, big fan of the, of the New Bomb Turks. But actually, to be fair, I, I've mainly... I, I was kind of looking at the discography just now. I don't really know the last two or three records. I know the kind of those first three, but um, yeah, great, great band. I never ever got to see them, even because uh, didn't they recently do reunions as well? I believe they did a couple of reunion shows, but I don't think they made it up here. Um, yeah, if I they did, I was on tour. I never did. Like again, it's another one of those. I'm going through this a lot lately, where there's a lot of bands that. At certain points, I probably had an opportunity to see, or more, or I did, and I just, for whatever reason, ignored it or whatever. And they're a group where, by the time I would have been able to catch them, which I imagine would have been around like, whatever, ninety, late nineties, mm-hmm. I would have been like not, and not to say the the records, especially if I listen to them all again now, even those latter ones, I'm sure I would really, really enjoy them. But at the time, I remember thinking like I really liked that first record a lot. And everything just sort of didn't catch me as much, so I wasn't as keen for whatever reason. So yeah, essentially, basically, I missed the opportunity. I was thinking about this recently because uh, I recently went on a little, for whatever reason, deep dive on, uh, not deep dive, but just started listening to a bunch of John Spencer stuff again. Mm -hmm. And this kind of stuff is all of that era for me. So I just thought, man, I never saw any of these bands, which is foolish, massively foolish. But uh, yeah, New Bomb Turks, who I never saw, but yeah, amazing, amazing group. Yeah, like I've always felt the New Bomb Turks like are like, you know, an unheralded kind of great hardcore band at a time when like hardcore was so far removed from punk rock for the most part yeah. uh, that it almost had to become its own thing completely. And I don't mean this in a completely negative way either. Like it was kind of its own awesome thing in its own right, but there was very little connection between what was happening in like nineties, like capital H hardcore of all manners and what the new bomb Turks were playing. But I think the new bomb Turks ultimately were heralding back to like, you know, the, the origins of hardcore, which is hardcore punk rock. And yeah, they are, they are awesome. That, that record destroy. Oh boy is still to me, one of the great, I will say top two or three hardcore records of the nineties for me. And, uh, the, uh, I think it's on Tattooed Apathetic Boys. The mosh part is fucking incredible. Like the the breakdown part is is fucking wicked. Yeah, and that's a great song title too. But um, yeah, the uh, I will maintain just just to uh, have as public record here that statement that you just made about it being the top. You know, I I've heard you say different variations, but it's either best or you know whatever one of the best 90s records. That's something that I've heard you saying since I first met you, really. Like, that's not, that's, he's not put, not that I expect that anyone would think that, but (laughs) you're not putting it on just because this was the interview. This is definitely something that has been uh, talked about at length and has been a professed opinion for some time. Oh, yeah. Like, that was like the, when I, you know, in my pre, uh, sorry, in my, in my younger, more, 
verbose kind of punishing people kind of days. Uh, <laughs> I, I straight up went up to Jim from New Bomb Turks when he came to see Fucked Up play in Paris and was like, I think he actually comes up in the interview even. And I was like, Destroy Oh Boy is one of the top hardcore records of all time. Like, I, I stand by that. I think that record's fucking incredible. You know, there's a couple records from that period that I think don't really get the credit they deserve for being, like, great hardcore records. Like, and I, I obviously love other stuff from that era, too. But, yeah, you know, there was, there was a period in the 90s, like, 93 in particular, where, you know, I don't know. I think that's got to be the best record that came out that year. I don't think what else came out in 93. Ugh, it's hard to I, I can't remember I'm bad with like specific years and a lot of things I just know that certain like windows of 90s or 90s in general but um, well there's a, yeah. apparently 154,939 <laughs> records that came out that year according to the resource that I just clicked on uh, maybe I'm going to actually going to give it to uh, the uh, both sides of the story Phil Collins record yeah, no, no, thank you. Not with you there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not standing by that. No, no. Nor should anybody. Um, Is it better but, than the Restrained Seven Inch, which came out that year? The pre-coalesce militant straight edge kind of mosh band. Yes. Okay. Um, but uh, I not- have no issue with that, though. To be fair, I, I actually I, I have not listened to that record uh, that I know of. <laughs> the Restrained record. Yeah, I've never listened to it, but I I don't mind the was it Col you said it's Colace, pre Colace? Colace, yeah. The yeah, pre-co-lace. I don't mind that band. Like they're all right, so I, I could I I can probably hang with it. I think it's the like- singer. It might be someone else, but on the cover of the seven inch, it's got a, a dude who's X'd up, reaching into his pants, pulling out a gun, hoods up Whoa. rolling up on a, I guess just a bunch of dudes standing in an alley. Maybe it's a gang. Maybe it's drug dealers. Who knows? I'm not saying <laughs> anything. They're in the distance. You can't really see what they're doing. But yeah. uh, he's about to hand out, you know, some justice. Wow. Yeah, the... Uh... I still think Destroy a Boy is better. And the cover art's better on Destroy a Boy. It's definitely. <laughs> yeah, without question. But I will say, I do think, and... Uh, I have always uh, aspired, uh, especially in more recent years, to everything you just kind of described is very, very that that very, very like '90s uh, centric. I don't even know what you want to call it, but you know, whatever, like that kind of hardline, uh, more or less uh, scene. I've always aspired to make that like a, a like a, a type of killed by death uh, subgenre. Yeah. Um, and, and mine all that stuff specifically I, I remember before like I, we've discussed it on the I cannot remember his you name can call it kill by, you can call it KBD too it could be like killed by drop detuning <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the only part about it is exactly it's, it's, it's often like proto new metal or whatever and that's the, that's the thing about it that's unfortunate there's yeah. too many like seven string guitars and bad tuning and but uh, and it's highly idealistic and misguided and, and all that, and it's bad, terrible fashion. But um, yeah, it was no. like it was like raver pants, yeah, Krishna beads, um, like sweater vests, yeah. like headbands, hair combed straight down, like it. It yeah, that fashion has not aged well. Like no, it, it really yeah. But having said that, there is something weirdly like intriguing to me about it. Yeah, same. And and I, 
so I legitimately like even if people now kind of bag on some of that stuff. Uh, by no means am I like the greatest fan of it sonically. A lot of it, but I do think there's something to be like made of of like collecting, you know, all of those records, at least the aesthetic of them at least, and all that, and and like appreciating it in some bizarre way. So yeah. Uh, so basically I'm just saying I won't crap on it. Although of course new bomb Turks absolutely obliterates all that stuff. No question. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, you know, and they had, they were a band that never let you down. Like not every record sounds the exact same, but at the same time, like they never, you know, put out a a rap metal record or, you know, and I think that's the thing that comes across is like, they were like students of music. Yes, the interview presents that very well because I think uh you and him talking <laughs> is is a uh, is a feat for most people cuz I was just trying to think like <laughs> I don't know what there's left to uncover after you two have discussed things like it's you've pretty much <laughs> turned over every stone. Um and I can imagine you two hanging out in real life if you ever have uh how crazy that would be. In a good way, but I, I would just listen. <laughs> There'd be no point in uh, in speaking for me. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think you're correct. The the students of music thing is an interesting point. That was one of the things that really I liked about the interview, which was incredibly obvious, of course, when you two were discussing it. But because you were asking him specifically about how their their choice of covers and things of that nature came about and how they found out about all that stuff. And and specifically, I believe the criteria was, were you guys like a record collector band? You said something along mm-hmm. those lines. Mm-hmm. And that led me to think of groups, if you notice anyway, it tends to be either groups or, or at least some individual within a band that tends to be a big record person, like a, a record hound in a sort of a you know, more quote unquote, like esoteric way, dare I say, Mm -hmm. their groups tend to be very good. And you can, you can break it down. Like you think of like classic ones, like poison idea is like undeniable, same, you know, same kind of thing. They're a great group. I, you know, back to your aforementioned band, I think that's the same thing. And I think when you first encounter these groups, especially early on, you realize like, it's it's intimidating when you think of the knowledge that that is contained within the the people who are uh, responsible for making the music, and I, I think it's perfectly stated. No, go on. No, I was going to say like I think that's a hundred percent. Like I think that's why I love, you know, music made by students of this music. You know, like I think it's it's such a post modern genre that like. You know, it's almost like you need to be a student of it to kind of like fully grasp it. You know, like you need to understand who the feeders were and where their place in punk history is and like who why die was and why they're hugely important. And, you know, like you need to understand like the minutia to really get what's going on in it. And maybe it's the same with every other music genre. And I just don't understand other music genres as much. But uh, nah, 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 it's only punk. I know. I don't think it's only punk. I think I think rap is yeah, that's very, true. Is yeah. very good when the people are are in tune, specifically yeah. on the DJ end of it. But um, or actually, no, I shouldn't say that MC end of it too. But regardless, yeah, I think that's a, an apt point. I think also within like punk, anyway, from my experience, I just feel like after a while, especially of a certain age, at a certain point, I think you get like 
people kind of get bored with sort of the token uh, homages. So then it becomes almost like the quest to like keep digging deeper and deeper and, and the groups that tend to be like of more interest to people. When you think of the waves of the way stylistically things go, it tends to be certain things popping at different times. You know what I mean? Like uh, that, you know, and I think that's like a kind of student of music vibe in a way, because mm-hmm. I think like, you know, I don't know if, and these groups, I don't know if the groups that are popping at various times in the history of punk hardcore would have been as big in other eras because of it, it being the sort of the, the sort of the crest of the wave when it is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, like a mental drop right now, mental were an amazing live band, arguably the best live band of the, of the era, in my opinion. But I don't know if mental would have hit as hard sonically right now as, as they did when they came out as an example. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like culture's cumulative, right? Like you can't yeah. and you you know, like the sounds of before, like, you know, I see you see it a lot in wrestling, like where people are like, Oh, wrestling now is like so much faster and like crazier and there's so many more moves and it's like, well, that's just everything evolves, right? And like you can't mm-hmm. do what the generation before you did because they've done it you know and i think that's the thing with punk rock like it can become like about trying to recreate the thing that came before it but the bands that actually kind of move and shift the needle try something different and like yeah like would it hit as hard if they were to drop today you know like after they've already kind of shifted everything yeah and i'm not i'm not saying it as like a throwing shade at that now or even that style i just think like it seems to be that the way things moved exactly like, and they're particularly, you know, that's a particularly polarizing example because I feel like they changed things. So mm-hmm. yes, now that it's changed where, you know, it's kind of moving on from there rather than, than backward or what have you, but as cyclical as, as things are, I truly believe as well. But, um, I don't know, just to my that live I, show would still be incredible. Like Greg mental oh, yeah. was still like the, yeah, yeah, like well, yeah. top five front people of, of certainly of that era. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But um, it's just an easy example to bring up. I could have brought up, you know, like a handful of other groups too. But it just to just to illustrate that, you know, I don't see the biggest groups or the most representative or, or most, you know, uh, talked about groups of this era being that style at the moment is what I'm trying to say. And mm-hmm. that to me is indicative of the way things go where – people sort of tire of certain little things like sonically and they gravitate toward others. Like right now, obviously it's, it's more of a, like sort of a back to, to sort of punk or almost like D beat worship era again. And then now who knows where to go after that. But, uh, even, even that might be kind of over. I'm, I'm not quite up on it. So that might even be a little past, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it keeps getting more and more fragmented too, right? Like there's so many micro scenes and, you know, there's obviously like unifying stuff that happens, but you know, what was the last band that kind of did that gloss? I guess, I guess Turnstile too. Yeah, both of those are examples of. Uh, I think um, I'm trying to think of one. I always um, those two are yeah, those two are definitely the uh, very big examples of the last yeah. few years that like have really kind of well those I would watch too what, actually you know people are definitely like crime watch is something yeah. that people are talking about and it seems like all over hardcore now yeah um and punk yeah i don't know like we're close to it so even i think 
I think bands like shit. Shit, actually. you're right. Shit, definitely. I feel like because we're close to it regionally, I feel like maybe it seems, but I, I think I underestimate actually. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, I, I noticed that they were like headlining a tour out west, and it's like, oh shit, yeah, they're a headlining band. It's like, oh yeah, they've been around for almost like, what, close to like 10 years at this point? Like six years at least, seven years. Yeah, it, it's been a good while. But I know I first noticed it when if you there's the uh, for people that use social media, I'm sure you'll be very familiar with this. But there's the the dude from Wolf Eyes that has his memes. Yeah. And there was recently a meme because there's the meme about chain punk, egg punk. I don't even know what the hell any of that means. But um, regardless, there was like a, a funny meme that he put up, and they're actually on it. Oh so really? That, that if there's any like if there's any uh, you know. You know, if you're ever anointed, it's like, yeah, you've made it when you're actually in, you know, you're in the conversation for what, what is now, you know, happening in this subgenre, even if I don't understand what those tags mean to this day. Yeah. No, actually, it's... speaking of which, if anyone wants to educate me or us, feel free to write in, turn to the punk footnotes at gmail.com if, if anyone wants to have that discussion. Uh, I would say, you know, let's, uh. Yeah, let's let's learn about this stuff. Yeah, send it in. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think I noticed that there was like something that had happened. We played with Kulo one time yeah. at a show, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is like this is the new wave." And now I'm like, "Oh wow, that was like eight years ago now, or something." <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ago. say like <laughs> I remember playing with them. Yeah, around it was a good. Yeah, close eight years or so. I yeah. think. Okay. Yeah, it's wild how like you know, even in hardcore, time moves. Oh yeah, for sure. It felt like in the nineties, it moved so slowly. I think we're digressing from the point, though. I don't. Yes, know we how are. We, I think it's a good digression. But what I was trying to illustrate is, I think bands that are fans first, quote unquote, I think are are tend to be the greater groups. I would argue. And I think New Bomb Poison Church, back, yeah. back to that, exactly, are, are great. I think, you know, the group you're involved with, same deal. I think most of the really important groups of the last, or, or period, like especially within this genre or subgenre or whatever you want to say, tend to be students. Mm-hmm. And and if anything, actually, I think their, their reinterpretations of what they know or what nods or what homages they can put in without it being too on the nose are what makes it very interesting, at least for me as a listener. hundred percent. And like, I, I think that bears out, you know, on that much talked about DC trip that you and I made that, <laughs> yeah. and just how like the level of nerdiness that we encountered that was existing there, yeah. even back then, you know, like just the level of kind of like digging that those guys were doing in that scene. And of course I also mean, you know, the bad brains as well, like kind of leading yeah. the charge on a lot of that stuff too, it seems. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Nerds make the best music. Yeah, I, I would, I believe so. Devo. I genuinely do. <laughs> True. Excellent point. <laughs> uh, I would also like to do a deep dive on the New Bomb Turks discography because I think they have, you know, one of, you know, the coolest runs of labels they've done records with. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're quintessential. Uh, I don't know if they, I I tend to have my, I believe they, they check every category, which I feel that quintessential nineties bands need to need to check. Actually, you know what? They might not. 
I'm missing one at least, I think. Well, they don't have a slap ham record, so. Well, that one. would be on my. I like that. I like that being included. That'd be amazing. But they don't have a sub pop record. No, they don't have a sub pop record. I thought for sure that is. But they do have a fat single, which I believe counts for double the points. What's even funnier is they have an earache record from. I know. <laughs> a split with Entombed. What a killer record. Yeah. Um, what else here? But they, my, mine tend to include, of course, somewhere along the line, Sympathy has to be on it, which of course they have. And I recently passed up the single, uh, just because I just didn't have the space or money at the time. Not that it's expensive. Um, the trying to get by single. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've, they definitely, they're touching on most of the ones well, the two biggies for me, like obviously Krypton and Sympathy, are my sort of little, like you've you've kind of been anointed when you when you hit those. But Dude, uh, they have a record on fat. <laughs> yes, and Eric, <laughs> yeah. and Epitaph, and they had a lot of records on Epitaph. Yes, including like what this is the best thing that they had. In, in the Epitaph release department. The Vans Warp Tour promo tape featuring New Bomb Turks and the Humpers. Warp yeah, Tunes Volume 3 is the compilation. <laughs> uh, imagine, like, you know, you're some kid. I actually probably turned on a lot of kids to some good music, actually, come to think of it. I remember this tape now that I see that. That's funny that you mentioned that. I would yeah, love to get I, a copy I remember of this. seeing the art of this. I feel like. But I feel like that would have just been a warp tour. But I think we got promos of this at a record store I worked at at the time. Oh, I could imagine that... they would have made like you know quantity of this and sent it around. Yeah, but this is something that's um, legit rare, right? Like one person has it on Discog, one person wants it. Um, yeah, you know, but it's not you know never been sold. It's like that's something that I'm sure no one held on to. Yeah. Um, two little anecdotes, or at least one anecdote is. Uh, there was a local uh, college radio station or university in our neck of the woods, but um, where someone I knew hosted a radio show called Drag Strip Riot, which of course is based on the song mm-hmm. by the New Bomb Turks. Mm-hmm. So I'm intim- intimately familiar with uh, with the Turks from that, and this is going. This would have been like between '97 and '99-ish, I would say. But he was way into this stuff, you know, in that, in that, you know, sort of that original era. Um, what was the other one? I had another little anecdote that slipped my mind. Anyway, I can't remember. No problem. I'm, I'm sure it'll come back to you, buddy. Yeah. We got, we got more to dive into. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about today. Well, actually, let's go more to this discography, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. Data Panic Records. I don't know if we've ever talked about this label on the show. But this might be one of the cooler regional labels of all time. <laughs> From Columbus, okay. I don't. I don't remember us going down this one. We'll see. <laughs> Pull it up, buddy. I am. I'm there. I'm there. What? Uh, what are we doing here? We're looking Where at. Where are you going? Where are you I'm, taking me? I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this thing. It's got the very poorly named Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments records, which are yeah. Musically, very good. Once again, not the best name. Boys from Nowhere records, which are fantastic. Uh, Girly Machine, which is amazing. Gaunt, New Bomb Turks, of course. Uh, also has Greenhorn records, which are great. 
you know, it's a it's a cool label, like a label that, you know, is it's hard to get all this stuff. Like some of this stuff's like really, really difficult to track down. And there's new like what am I seeing here? Is this like they're releasing stuff? Like there's stuff up to 2015. It's saying. Yeah, I guess it came back and did stuff. Weird. Okay. But the original run ended in looks like around ninety seven. Yeah. Guess? All these records are super affordable. I thought they were more expensive, but you can kind of get them all looking like pretty, you know, pretty affordable. What uh, what actually really needs to happen is that you need to make the next um, whatever kind of coffee table book that that highlights like, you know, uh, that's a mix between like Flex and like the Touch and Go book and like... Uh, um, like radio silence or something, and probably forgetting one or two, but it's of these labels. Yeah, it'd be cool to do one books about '90s labels, '90s seven-inch labels. Yeah. Off the disc records, that's another one that yeah, you know, stands out as being one of the coolest labels. Um, but these, I, I think this label is fantastic. I think the aesthetic of it's like really cool, but also uh, they put out. You know, like some some really neat bands and some once again really kind of all over the map sounding bands. Yeah, the what? only thing like I haven't heard the majority of these records. I like, to look at them. I've seen a couple. Like I've definitely passed over some of these. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Obviously, I know the new Bomb Turks. I know Gaunt a little bit, but um, the is this all Columbus Regional? I think so. I think it's. I'm not 100 percent on that, but okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because I'm just trying to think. Like every time I see things like this, I'm thinking like, is that why? Because this is all like a regional, like picture of that's where these bands were from, or they just happen to release whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the most of these bands were Columbus seems, area. Seems like it. Yeah, even the newer one they released, which is that Ner- Nervosis record or whatever cassette mm-hmm. that band, they're mm-hmm. also from Columbus apparently. So it would make sense. Yeah, they still like once again like it it it's cool that it's still going. Yeah, it's wild. I it, I always find that to be the most like crazy thing cuz there was another label we were looking at recently. Wasn't it the one that uh on the pa- Pajo episode or whatever we brought up what was that label? Oh yeah, like the um self-destruct records. Yeah, and they had like it was the same thing. They basically took like a hiatus of like whatever, like a decade or more. And then they they released a couple things. So basically, it's not too late for our labels, Chris. <laughs> True. It's just, it's just a matter of money. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's not uh, it's not for lack of want. It's it's just it's just money. Both you and I have put out records. Yes, this is true. What I find is you reach an age, and you'll everyone who collects records understands this. But this is this was my crossroads. Was I could I I thought about it and I thought well I could do this or I could buy you know United Blood. <laughs> so, like what what do I really want to do more right? And that this yeah. is the that's what and then you you can insert whatever record into United Blood or that you want you know any you know any record and you just think like. Just as long as it's expensive enough and you think, well, would I rather that or would I rather, you know, contribute to culture? And then you see how much uh, you care. <laughs> that's, that's the, uh, that's the uh, formula. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It really, it really is the uh, the ultimate test when it's like, do I want to advance culture or do I want to advance my record collection? Yes. So you put it more aptly than I did. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, so I've made those choices myself. Um, all right. <laughs> this is such a downer topic. <laughs> well, let's revive our labels and then we can, you know, we'll move on from there. Uh, yeah. What did you want to get into, Chris? I'm sorry. I've taken all the points so far. Well, one thing real quick to jump back to, or sort of jump back to, not because we didn't really dissect it majorly, but the New Bontrick's discography, the one thing I wanted to bring up was uh, you brought up in the interview the choice of covers, which mm-hmm. I didn't, I've always thought was interesting. But on Destroy a Boy, I've always thought it's crazy that they covered Wire of all the bands. And, and that song, like Mr. Suit. Mm hmm. It's such a strange, like, it's a good choice. And I mean, in 93, I would imagine that would have been like a pretty, like, out there. It's not that, of course, obviously other groups like Minor Threat <laughs> covered Wire, but um, their version is is very interesting, too. It's not, it's not bad at all. It's just like, it's much different than you would expect someone to cover Wire. Actually, it's funny, even the Minor Threat version is a bizarre take on Wire, if you think. Yeah, I was going to say, like, no one really covers Wire the way Wire sounds. That's true. Why is that? That's a bizarre... I never thought about that till just this moment. Yeah, why? and also, why were they the band that everyone wanted to cover? Like, obviously, I guess yeah, I Minor know. Threat led the charge. There's yeah. also, like, a definitely a recording of uh, SOA doing that song, too. I think there's a couple other bands doing that song, right? From from uh dc doing stepping stone or doing or sorry one two xu yeah i don't i i've never heard well that i'm aware of i've never heard anybody else but the myers version but it could be i'm pretty sure there's an soa one too but i'm not 100 on sure that but either way mr mr suit is on the destroy boy lp and Mm -hmm. it's a great cover Mm -hmm. but it's definitely it's it's a i'm trying to think of a way to frame it like it's it's just really interesting. It's a really different take, much, much like One Two XU. Actually, mm-hmm. it's a it's sort of a bizarre, more like more aggressive, certainly more distorted take on it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, just as a choice, when you think of how the rest of that record sounds and the overall sort of vibe of New Bomb Turks, I just thought that's a very strange choice of of like song and or group to choose. Well, they always did like, you know, and then they would do more obscure kind of Kill by Death songs and some other records. So they would always do, I don't know, something and in, in kind of like take up the aggression level. Yeah. I, like, I, you're, I can't argue it. I just think in hindsight, it seems more bizarre than perhaps it did at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't know, they're like, that's what I'm, I've always thought of this band as being kind of like, you know, like they're not a garage rock band. Yes, which is the which I believe is what people tend to associate them with more. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and I think it's because they were so musically literate, at, you know, and they were just so kind of like into, you know, music and stuff that they kind of, you know, like came off. I guess like I don't know. I don't know why they got lumped in that scene actually. Well, it nowadays I would say, well, if you look at the kind of the book he wrote, which is excellent, which we can talk about, but um, 
the I, I would see that now, but yeah, at the time, I don't know. Maybe it was just who they were playing with predominantly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. Anyway, I, I I definitely think they were more aggressive than your atypical garage rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly aired more on the punk end. But I don't think I think though perhaps it was also their maybe not like super intentionally, but they they seem to have like a, a bit of a distance. That they would, and the book kind of, you know, makes little comments that suggest that they, or he specifically, was not interested in being associated with specific elements of, of what was going on in punk, which he kind of alludes to in the interview, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then once maybe, again, I think, maybe that's it. I think that goes back to what we were saying, like, it was a very weird time for for both punk and hardcore, you know, like, whatever you defined it as, yeah. like, it was exploding on the mainstream, and... There was also like, you know, this thing that had kind of a great distance, certainly sonically, from what had happened before that was kind of happening in hardcore at the same time. So, yeah, I guess like you kind of just go where you fit. And I think that that's, that's another thing, too, is it's like they're they're one of these groups that doesn't really like entirely fit. That's, mm-hmm. I think, the more of the. Because, like, you know, they don't, I, I even like I don't remember any like and you may recall this but around the time of the release of this lp specifically the first one i don't know what the the sort of the mrr opinion of of this group was i assume it was good based on it being crip but i don't know i don't know actually to be honest with you they never seemed like they i imagine timmy O'Hannon would have been a fan you would think i just would I, think, I, but i don't know actually to be honest with you i don't remember yeah. them getting a lot of coverage yeah, again, like I, I don't, I don't really either. I first heard them from the, just trying to find the year of it. There was a comp that Crip did of the singles called "Pissing Out the Poison." So it was '95. That was the first thing I heard. Um, but even that, I can't remember if I bought that because I read a review in MRR of it or something. Because it's strange that I would just buy that off the cuff, but, um. They anyway, were, yeah. They, I imagine they would have gotten well reviewed in MRR. Like they always seem to have reviewers that knew, that were passionate generally about the records they were talking about. Unless it was something they really fucking hated, then they were deep passionate about it. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, <laughs> certainly some incredible reviews over the years in that. Um, yeah, I'm just looking through this comp. This comp that's like also shows a bunch of the covers that they did. Like they did a Radio Birdman cover. They did uh, – um trying to find some of the other covers. But they definitely did like a, a bunch of covers. Modern Lovers, Billy Childish. Yeah. There's uh, – yeah, there's just a bunch. But it is it is funny because, again, I heard that off – like I, I didn't recognize some of those as covers at the time, certainly. And I haven't revisited this comp in ages. So even looking at it now is kind of a, a funny – moment back in time i think i would be super psyched on this now i'm gonna go listen to this later yeah <laughs> or yeah. tomorrow yeah oh well i want to sleep i wonder yeah i want to hear that and they do a billy childish cover they were kind of like the first band i guess to go back in like you know kind of you kind of embrace billy childish in a big way well and he speaks a lot about in the book too and like yeah it's just i don't know for me that's not hard because i think it's for me there are no misses in that in that category but uh 
yeah, I could, you know, it makes sense. Sonically, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it was like, kind of, in the book, he kind of details it more. Mm-hmm. That whole interview, although the interview I find extremely <laughs> amusing <laughs> and particularly uh, curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, like if you haven't read that book, you've got to read it. Yeah. It's one of the great kind of music books, as I kind of alluded to on the show. I agree. I agree. Uh, they one, I got to see them a few times. The times they played in Toronto, I think they played the first Danko Jones show. Like Danko Jones opened for him at the very first time Danko Jones played, or might have been the pre Danko Jones band even that that opened that show. Um, and then, of course, they also did uh, you know shows with Spaceships, and they did shows with uh, Deadly Snakes really early on, and they played also here with the Helicopters one time, and yeah, they were so good live. Well, those are like those lineups are all sound amazing. Um... But yeah, I never, I never got to see them. The photos and stuff look good. I've never really watched footage that I can even think of. I need to check that out now in the YouTube era. But um, yeah, I don't know. I never like what, uh, what do you know? What years you were kind of catching them? Was it like first LP or second LP? It would have been probably second LP and then '99 kind of era. Yeah, I definitely, I, I really regret not seeing them. Like ni- around '99 for sure, I would have been able to like catch them easily, and I just. Slept on it. I don't know why. Well, I think that's like one of those things where, you know, you don't appreciate it necessarily till it's gone. Yeah, this is true. With a lot of these bands. Yeah, There's... I think that's... Go on. No, I just, I think they were a little more contemporary than some of the groups I was trying to catch in those years that were like that. Although, ironically, most of them have not stopped. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> But I remember thinking, like, oh, you know, I'll, it just—I just thought I'd eventually see them at some point, and then uh, they were the one that didn't last the, the whole go. I, I think they had a great run, though, actually. I yeah, they the definitely run did. Of this group. I—I don't. Uh, I mean, you know, bands can reform and do whatever they want, but I like when groups have sort of a you know a decent run that isn't, you know, isn't too short, but is admirable and you know gives everyone time to kind of catch up to what they're doing. Uh huh. Absolutely, and I love when a band—they never really broke up. They just stopped playing for a while. Yeah, that too. Yeah, which is I like, I yeah. Like that. And they, because I think that's the other thing about this band that's really cool is like, there's no drama. It doesn't like obviously there are dramas in every band, but like, it really feels like at the end of the day they're still friends. Yeah, which I hope. I mean, I assume based on the reunion stuff, like we mentioned, I, I would would gather. I hope that that. That's still the case. Well, it's not always the case with bands, Chris. I can tell you that from yeah, this is true. Things I've heard, not I experienced. It, <laughs> it's wild that they have. When you look at the catalog, that they have three LPs on Epitaph. I don't know why I didn't. I remember all these records, like to see them, but I don't know why I didn't think they were on Epitaph for that long. Yeah, it's funny. You don't think of them as being an Epitaph band, but they had like a a really good like five year run. Yeah. As like an epitaph band, like I would say that's the majority of their career. Yeah, I do think they were on it in a bizarre era, though. Yeah, it like definitely they, was. They, they epitaph was going full on into. I don't even know what you call this music because I guess like at the time it could have been labeled garage rock, but it was just so much more punk. Like epitaph, once again, like fuck. If you're gonna sign the best bands in this genre. You know, like you, you, you kind of did 
Well, I'm trying to think. They had the Humpers and them, and I'm trying. What was the other? I'm trying to get to that era right now on the on the resource. I'm trying to think of the ones because those were the big Humpers. They had Zeke as well. That's right. Um, but I'm I'm just about there. I know I'm just about there. I can feel it. New Bomb Turks scared straight. CD sampler '96. That would have been it. Uh, so yeah, Gas Huffer two was on the label. Ah, yeah. There's another one. Good call. Um, uh, Brother Wayne Kramer was on the label. Yeah. Um, Red Red Ants like Ansu kind of get thrown in there as well. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, like a really kind of interesting kind of initiative where they signed all these bands. The Hookers. I totally forgot the Hookers were on. I don't know. I didn't know that. Okay. Dude, the Dwarves, the Neckbones. Yeah, how did I forget? Yeah, that Dwarves record came out in that year for sure. That was yeah. like '96, I think. Yeah, that was a great time for that label. Like going, like you know, like you're, you know, and people at this, you know, I'm sure at the time were like, oh, they're going to kill these bands and destroy these bands. But like for a label like Epitaph to kind of go and be like, all right, what should we sign? And to like turn around and be like, let's just sign like, I don't know, like the best punk bands going. Yeah, again, it's it's a hindsight thing too, right? Yeah, Donnas, the Donnas in '96 too. Oh no, that's a different. That's La Donnas. Pardon me. I was like, I don't. I thought they were on the lookout anyway. Yeah, I was gonna um, say I didn't think they went up there. No, wrong, wrong group. I was like, I just thought they threw on the Donnas record in that era too. But the Cramps. Um, what Cramps record did they release? I don't in, remember that. Uh, like a bad girl should. But I don't know if they did an LP around that point too with the label. I think they did. I think they definitely had an LP on on Epitaph. I'm just trying to look here, but regardless, yeah, too flame uh, job. Of course, that was on Epitaph in '94, and then Big Beat from Badsville '97. Those were both on Epitaph. Yep. Why didn't I? That's wild. Flame job was also on like a major label too. It was on like Creation. Okay. It was on. It was on a bunch. Maybe it was just on Creation mainly, and an Epitaph. Yeah, because I I I don't know. I didn't think that was on that, but who knows? It's weird that that record came out in Creation and Epitaph. Let that, that sink in. That's fucking yeah. nuts. <laughs> it is. It truly is. Oh, so weird. But like, yeah, well, like Epitaph once again. Kind of can't fault them for this kind of like signing wave they went on, signing spree they went on. No, I and agree. I, and it's also like doing records for Arl Burnside, Twenty Miles, T Model Ford, and Junior Kimbro. Like I know, like we we make we kind of joke about epitaphs I'm here and and ep- epiphat is like a genre. Yeah. But yeah. like, damn, like to give all those guys like like properly distributed records, and I would imagine because I haven't heard anything otherwise, but like paying them properly too, like that was cool. That's another cool like kind of signing thing. Like they once again they could have been signing. A bunch of bullshit at the same time and granted like you know it's all about capitalism and making money but you know you, there's there's ways to do it where at least you're doing it in an interesting way yeah i would agree i i think um i think what that was because i can't remember when that anti-label like came about but i believe it was after that it was after that that was on uh fat possum wasn't that was... oh, okay so but i thought isn't fat possum a subsidiary of fat possum is its own thing yeah, but I think it at some point had something with Epitaph, and they did. Okay, a bunch of these yeah, I do. I do recall some of that because I remember again it being getting promos for all that stuff in those years. And yeah, kind of. 
hearing a lot of that from there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's when you look at a lot of the stuff they put out, it's even just looking at it now. It's kind of funny how, like, yeah, it's sonically relatively in the same, you know, sort of arena, but there's there's things that are a little outside. Yeah, yeah, no, they they did uh, they signed some cool stuff during this period. That's for sure. All right, what do we got here? What was the next thing? Was that your point or mine? <laughs> uh, I don't know, dude. We, it's just like a free for all points wise right now. Yeah. Oh, there was a couple things. One thing uh, was the what was the Curtis Blow was opening for the Clash? He mentioned. Yeah. That's incredible. It actually makes complete sense, but it's funny to hear about now. Um, uh, also, as a weird anecdote, something I saw on social media was uh, via SSD's official account. Mm-hmm. They mentioned that they they because today is the. Uh, I guess was the anniversary of his his show strummers, I think. Yeah, yep. And they put up a, a sort of a little like, you know, shout out and it was about how can't remember what I guess they went to see the clash and then they ran into him and he was the one who suggested they go see the bad brains, which is kind of insane when you think about it that way. Well, didn't they have like some running with the bad brains or like, no, I don't mean that in a negative way, but in New yeah. York, right? During that famous kind of stand that they did. Did the bad brains open a couple shows? I don't remember, but the, the thing, the, basically the way it read, it seemed like they had gone to a Clash show. I would imagine this is early on. I don't know if this is even SSD being a group yet. Yeah, but, yeah. And essentially they said they ran into some English guy with a scarf and that he suggested they go see the bad brains. And then that seemed to be like, you know, obviously the paradigm shift for like it was for so many people. But to insert anything to do with the clash relating to the bad brains, I just something I wouldn't have thought. But it was an interesting little anecdote for sure. Mm -hmm. Back to the taking it, bring it all back home to the Curtis Blow opening and all that stuff. But yeah. Oh, wait, there's a, I guess they exported them in, uh, uh, there's like trivia. (laughs) <laughs> that someone's like put up. Where did uh, Bad Brain support the Clash? Brixton Academy, Bonds Casino, New York City, Santa Monica Civic Center. Hmm. Uh, I don't know which one it is. Let's find out what people have said. Uh-huh. Well, no one on Facebook knows the real answer, apparently. <laughs> I'm just going to call up that thing just while we're on it. Yeah, I'm trying to find the just because I believe the post read something along the lines of that. I don't believe it was relating to the Bad Brains opening for the Clash, and this had to be. Yeah, so it was. Well, it doesn't mention if they open or not, but it was. Uh, oh no, they did it open for them during their uh, uh, their Broadway, their Bonds kind of run years ago, where they did. Bonds for May 28th to June 13th. Yeah. Yeah, the clash at Bonds, you're correct. And then that's what this post mentions. But it also mentions that he said to come see them at A7 later that night. Oh, weird. I guess they were in New York seeing it. Yeah. So anyway, random little anecdote while we're on it. Very cool. Very cool. Once again, social media, you know, it's got a lot of bad problems. 
it's also got some good problems like you yeah. can see cool shit posted on there yeah you unearth the, the odd thing like that and it, it makes you happy yeah yeah it justifies all the corroding of our social fabric that it does <laughs> eroding Speaking of, of which i was trying to because I have the book on me, the We Never Learn book, which we've mentioned and you mentioned in the interview. A fantastic book. Yeah, it definitely should yeah. be read and by it, anyone. It was released by Backbeat Books, and I recommend it. But um, there is a bit of information in here. I was trying to find the actual page, and I can't remember where it is. But that mentions you. It mentions a member of your group, but it doesn't mention who it is. Yeah is doing a band, well, alleges in the pages, that is doing a band with a member of Death of Samantha, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which I don't yeah. believe ever came to be. No, and it was also supposed to have someone from uh, the Black Keys in it, too. Oh, wow. At one point. Like, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was going to be like a Cleveland worship band. Um, but <laughs> never came to be. It would be hard to do a band that encapsulated all my love of Cleveland. In one place musically, so so for the folks that had read that, but so you this was you. It was me. It was me. Okay, this is one of the Damien uh, projects that never came to be. <laughs> gotcha. You know, I'd love to do it still, but yeah, it was. And who it was, who was it? Who was it with that was related to Death? Uh... It was John from Death of Samantha, who also plays in Sweet Apple. Ah, um, okay, yeah. And so I, I kind of met him. I don't know. I guess I met him first time I met him was in Cleveland. No, maybe I first time I met him was in Austin. Um, but like one of the coolest people, like someone once again that knows a shit ton about music and can kind of like go off and, and, and talk and like, I just love listening to him talk about music and stuff. And yeah, we kind of had this idea to do this Cleveland band, but it's hard to do shit. <laughs> Yes, I just thought that was a funny little anecdote we could mention based on, and I wish I knew which page in the book it was, because I, when I first read it, I think I hit you and at least Jonah up and asked, like, what, who is this? And then I should have known it was you. That makes the most sense. Well, yeah, no, it, is, it's, it could go one of two ways. You knew it probably wasn't Mike. Well, no, it could be it could be a variety of people in your in your band, but I just I don't know. The, now that I think of it, it makes the most sense it was you. But, but yeah, you never know. I know. I wish I had had my name in that book, but unfortunately not. Just the nameless member of fucked up. <laughs> um. Uh. Anything else you want to uh, uh, uh? Go on. I think I. I think I. Uh. Can we mention that he? And this is, hey, each, anybody can have their opinion, but I think, is this the first person I've ever encountered that likes Cut the Crap by The Clash? Maybe. Yeah. Definitely maybe. Like, I don't hate it. Like, I really don't hate it as much as, like, I, you know, like, I think there are, you know, it's not my lowest point in The Clash <laughs> history. Yeah. <laughs> Based you on know. Damien's uh, rough criteria of the clash. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got different criteria that I judge them against. Yeah. First album only. <laughs> Either way, that was surprising to hear him mention. Um, but at the same time, I loved it. I just thought, wow, you don't hear that every day. But 
I don't know if I'm with him on that. I don't really like that. Record. No, no, I'm not. I'm not all in on that. But I, you know, once again, I don't hate it as much as I probably should. <laughs> uh, the title is horrible too. It's a terrible, <laughs> terrible name. Yeah, um, I just thought it was it, a funny shout out. And it hasn't gotten cooler as time has gone on, eh? No, and that's like. I believe isn't the cover have him with like a weird mohawk on the cover too or something? Oh yeah, he's got that the Joe Strummer hawk. Yeah, that's what when I when Greg Dick, former guest of the show, was cutting uh, Holden's hair the first time, and Holden's like wanted his hair in the mohawk, like uh, um, that Blue Jay player has. Uh, he's like Greg's like turns to me, he goes like Joe Strummer cut the crap mohawk, and I'm like yeah. Amazing. So yeah, that's how that's how you have to communicate sometimes. Greg Dick loves baseball, but he did not know what each of the players' haircuts look like. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. What is uh? What do you got queued up? Anything? Uh, I I don't know. I could go any number of places. Um, uh. I think I think uh, once again it's it's fascinating how much cool stuff comes out of Cleveland. You know the mice who have come up on the show before, being a perfect example of it. Like you know a band that never gets mentioned ever ever, but yet is so fucking good. Yeah, that's one I came to later, and I just re-listened to the uh, that Scooter LP, and it's excellent. Like I, I didn't remember it being that good, yeah. When I heard it in passing, but it it is great, yeah, but, yeah. But uh, yeah, you're right. I don't, and I don't really know anything about the group. So him kind of mentioning, or you two both talking about it, but him sort of like you know whatever, hammering home that point. I find it bizarre when there's a record this good, especially in the era of reissues that are just endless. Mm-hmm. But this is one. But he kind of mentions that perhaps why, but. It just seems insane because that's a great LP that definitely needs to be uh, more heard. Oh yeah, I would love, I would love that to get a proper reissue. Maybe drop the price of the original too because the original is very expensive. Yeah, I'm trying to get that stuff on any of the original records by that band, um, they're hard to track down, and you know, worth it because when you hear them, you're like, "Fuck, this is this is amazing." It's like also like you know the state that gave us "Guided by Voices," the state that gave us "Devo," the state that gave us. The electric eels and and rock from the tombs and you know it's it, and integrity and ringworm and like and the fucking h100s and confront <laughs> yes and integrity if you didn't mention that already i said integrity don't okay. worry i did not I forget integ no they yeah. were the they, when i got to the modern era they're the first one i kind of <laughs> get in there but like you know and the inmates and like you know et cetera et cetera like so many great bands from all those eras that I mentioned, other than just the bands I mentioned, you know, and there's Pagans. I can't believe I forgot the Pagans, too. Yeah, good point. That one, you got to make sure to, to put that one in there with a with an underline. It's kind of uh, like it was Rust Belt Rock before it was punk rock, you know? <laughs> Is this a new uh, a new Damien? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking here? about it. Like, well, I'm just thinking about like you know the bands that were coming out of Pittsburgh and the bands that were coming out of out of uh, Hamilton. 
you know, and like the bands that were coming out of Cleveland, definitely Detroit, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like the, you know, it was certainly like music of New York, LA and London, but more than that, it was like the music from these places. I think that's a, I've never heard it put that way, but I think that's an interesting way to put it. I think the, the I think the Rust Belt definitely has, and when you weigh it in the, the way you just did, yeah, it's it's there's, there's certain things that are hard to argue because I mean obviously Detroit, or I guess Ann Arbor, but Detroit sort of whatever centric things yeah. get uh, yeah. get mentioned quite obviously. Um, I've never thought. I mean, again, I think you guys discussed in the interview. I've never the Cleveland things. I don't think are highlighted as greatly because of reasons he mentions, which is that a lot of those groups didn't tour a lot. It wasn't like a primary industry city or whatever for music. And, but yeah, there's definitely like all of the things that you've ever sort of talked to me or, or about or in interviews with people or whatever, it, it's very good. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know like the years to weigh it up, but it's one of those things again, where it's like a, uh, we were talking about this the other week in relation to like the quintessence and uh, like Victoria stuff versus like that city being so primary versus like, I don't know, whatever, LA or London or whatever. If you took all of the, the Rust Belt stuff like individually and weighed it up against a lot of the stuff that's the most acclaimed, you'd, you'd probably have a pretty good battle. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, I think, you know, and also the stuff that is acclaimed from a lot of these places, like, comes from the Rust Belt originally. Like, you know, the dogs uh, moving to L.A. Um, or, or or the, the cramps or uh, what what are they called? Uh, moving uh, uh, Frankenstein, which became uh, the Dead Boys. But they were from, where were they from? Where did they move? Oh, they moved to New York, is what you're saying? Or they, yeah, they moved to New York yeah. from Cleveland, okay, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, it starts as Rock from the Tombs. Yeah. And and moves, you know, like, it's amazing how much of it kind of, like, radiates out of uh, the Rust Belt, like, for lack of a better term. Like, this kind of, like, North Midwest scene. Not really Chicago as much, though. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's an interesting, that's another funny like little thing where yeah that there seems to be like this imaginary line where it's that sort of stops yeah not to say Chicago doesn't have anything which of course we've highlighted before but just it's yeah not of this a lot of the things that we're discussing don't seem to yeah I'm with you there it kind of hit Chicago at different times yes correct yeah but uh, I don't know uh, where you want to go next, Chris, but I, I'm happy to leave it with Rust Belt Rock. We've come to an epiphany today and coined a new fucking genre. Look out, Eric <laughs> Davidson. Coming to you soon, Rust Belt Rocker, the guide to Rust Belt Rock and Roll. I'm a writer now. Chris, you're my co-author. Boom. Let's see 6,000 words by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else we want to get to tonight? No, no, I'm good. I think that's that's a good way to end it, actually. Awesome. Well, I want to say to everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. Chris, how do they get in touch with us at Turned Out of Punk Footnotes? Well, you can reach us at Turned Out of Punk Footnotes at gmail.com. And you can find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. Follow Turned Out of Punk at Turned Out of Punk. 
uh, and uh, on on Instagram and, and things like that. There's also a Facebook page. Uh, if you want to follow Chris, you don't, except if you want to do it in person at those Ancient Shape shows coming up. <laughs> uh, and follow him with vegan food. He likes that. <laughs> and uh, uh, also uh, next week on the show, because it's Sami Zayn, we have a very special guest in a podcast crossover event that I've been hoping to find a way to make happen for years. I've been on their podcast many, many a time. Very good friends of mine. Huge inspirations for me to do a podcast in the first place. But of uh, post-wrestling and John Pollock and Wei Ting fame, Wei Ting will be on the show next week to help us dissect and review the phenomenal Sami Zayn episode that's coming up. Because, Chris, your strong points are punk rock, but you would own the fact that wrestling knowledge is not one of your strong suits. It is not. Modern wrestling, modern wrestling knowledge, I no, should say. No, it is not. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. If it was, if if, if we had a, uh, um, what do they like to call it? The prof- the soccer. That's the proper term for it. If we had a soccer player on, <laughs> you know, I would have to, we, we'd have to call in reinforcements. <laughs> sure. Well. I just thought of something on the wrestling talk real quick. There was yeah. something. Jim the Anvil Lightheart passed on the over the week. Actually, there was a lot of deaths recently in wrestling. It was actually a, a pretty horrendous uh, couple weeks for wrestling fans. Like, yeah, there were a lot of people that passed away from all over wrestling. Like wrestling in Mexico as well. Like uh, Villanos three passed away, and and uh, and there were there were some others. Um, uh, that passed away. Uh, uh, yeah, like some. It was it was a really rough week. You know, wrestling is. It's amazing. Like when you think about that as an art form, just like the toll it takes on all these people. And like, you know, there's not a lot of wrestlers that live to a ripe old age. You know, this is true. Um, but so yeah, sadly, yeah. Once Jim the Anvil Nightheart uh, w- did pass away, and uh, rest in peace to Jim. We'll, we'll we'll talk a lot about wrestling next week. I think we're gonna have yeah. a fun time. I'm gonna have a fun time. You know, you're, we're gonna be teaching way about the punk side of the wrestling punk connection, and <laughs> and he's gonna be teaching us uh, about the wrestling side. Well, I'm gonna be teaching with him because you know that's my tag team partner. It's basically gonna be like I'm gonna have my cake and get to eat it too next week. Sure. <laughs> You know, uh, we're going to we're going to have a fun time. And uh, that is next week on the show. Uh, Anything else, Chris, you want to add? No, I'm good. All right, everyone. Go out there and make your own culture. Do your own thing. Uh, Don't let the fuckers drag you down. And uh, that's it. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening.